Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backward. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Last time on Turn Backwards. Today, we are going to talk about the Pran Directive. In South Park, they have square wheels in Canada. I think, what is he thinking? Yeah. What an awful thing to say. Yeah. At no point uh, does Wesley apologise. Everyone just has sex with each other all the time. <laughs> Why have you come to the planet with my beautiful blonde people who love the running and the fucking? And now, the conclusion. Hello and welcome to Ten Backward, a Star Trek podcast from merry old England. I'm your host, Rick Palmer. My fellow hosts are Rick Everson. Hello. Gemma Turland. Hello. And Will Turland. All right. In the previous episode, we began discussing the Prime Directive and episodes where the protagonists sort of end up meddling with uh, society in, in violation of the Prime Directive. And in part two, we're discussing the opposite end of that where they where they ended up sticking rigidly to that rule yes what well, I like to subtitle the put things back where you found them aspect of the Prime Directive indeed um, before we begin <laughs> we've got a little bit of a little bit of theatre to attend to we've got some fortune cookies um, th- uh, this is uh, this is Star Trek related because of course uh, Captain Lorca has, fortune, has a bowl of fortune cookies on his desk doesn't he <laughs> So, if you would like to today, <laughs> yeah, all his cookies said today to... you will murder someone. <laughs> Mine is in German. <laughs> Mine oh, is in German. No, no, it won't. Turn it over. It's fine. Brilliant. Mine says, Confucius says, everything has beauty, but not everyone sees it. That's it. I like it. Yeah. Mine says. You will be called to fill a position of high honour and responsibility. Ooh. You're going to be Chancellor of the Klingon High Council. You're going to be the new captain of Ten Backwood. <laughs> there isn't an existing captain of Ten Backwood, actually. Mine says the gambler is like the fisherman. Both have beginner's luck. Mm-hmm. Brian says, don't find a fault, find a remedy. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, um... We had a discussion how Kirk liked to justify breaking the Prime Directive when he thought a society was stagnating, normally because a computer had banned kissing or something. Um, But there's some situations where the Prime Directive had already been broken, either inadvertently, accidentally, maliciously, or unknowingly, where Kirk felt responsibility to put restore balance, to um, undo the damage. Uh, Episodes like A Piece of the Action, where they found um, before the Prime Directive existed, a ship had left a book about Chicago mobs in the 1920s. So the whole planet was all about 1920s mobsters and everyone got to run around with guns and, yeah. and fancy suits and Kirk tried to sort it all out. Um, and imagine the inspiration for that story it had nothing to do with some available mobsters, <laughs> 1920s mobster sets that happened to be in the studio lot. Yeah, they left the Just big book, the big book of budget saving on on that planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
One I watched the other day was Patterns of Force, where um, a Federation historian <laughs> visited a planet and then decided the planet could model itself on Nazi Germany. Again, again, wardrobe, <laughs> wardrobe department works yeah. really well here. <laughs> um, similar sort of thing with bread and circuses, where um, we have a version of the Roman Empire that survived through to the 20th century. Um, and again, it's based on, it's a crime directive violation that's occurred on a parallel Earth. Um, the Omega Glory, where a Federation captain has been down and taken up a position of power. Um, in a bizarre uh, communist versus Yankees conflict. Oh yes, yeah, that is a bizarre episode. It's I think it starts off really well, and then the whole communist versus Yankees kind of final third is it's just really weird. Mm. Uh, and it's got a bread and circuses yeah. has a slightly not odd ending, but it has a reveal, doesn't oh, it? It does, yeah, yeah. it does. Uh, um, yeah, which because... I forgot. Which I've forgotten about actually. I mean, I, I, I really like Bread and Circuses. It's a, it's a fun episode. It's yeah. got a lot going on. I was a bit um, uncomfortable with that end reveal. Though. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, but it has a great character called Flavius who, who really, he really wants to kill them when they, when, <laughs> yeah. when they find them. He's like, can I, can I please, please, can I kill them? <laughs> He's like, stop it, Flavius. Let's just, um, let's just see what they want, and, and then maybe you can kill them. And they're like, oh, fine. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I love murders. And uh, and and later on, there's a great line when when Flavius and and Kirk and McCoy and Spock are they've been forced into the arena to fight, and one of the people says, and Flavius won't fight. I'm sure the line is something like, "Fight Flavius, or we'll do a special on you." Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you bring this network ratings down, Flavius, and we'll do a special on you. What's a special? <laughs> oh, did you know in this episode there's some there's some great bants between uh, between McCoy and Spock. Yes, like some of the finest bants that they ever have. <laughs> and there's a line that I wrote down because I loved it so much, um, where uh, where McCoy says to Spock, "Medical men are trained in logic, Mister Spock. Really, Doctor, I had no idea they were trained. Watching you, I assumed it was trial and error." <laughs> great diss, <laughs> Spock. That's oh, good. It's really good. I mean, they're, they're actually their their banter kind of borders on. Actually, it gets pretty harsh at times <laughs> in this episode. McCoy's really tough on Spock. There's a whole thing where um, Spock doesn't want to fight, does he, in the the arena? And, and yeah, McCoy's really pissed off at him. <laughs> but then, but then he saves saves McCoy's life. Yeah. Pointy-eared hobgoblin. <laughs> says at some yeah. point. But yeah, it's a great uh, uh, Spark McCoy episode. It's, it's, it's a good episode, I but think. Yeah, and in this episode, um, the planet they go to uh, doesn't want to reveal itself. It, it so it keep, it sort of it keeps because they they're investigating a ship that's gone missing, aren't they? Yeah, it's another one of those. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and um, the planet they land on doesn't want to reveal themselves so it's a it's a weird kind of combination of the prime directive and a planet not wanting to reveal itself yeah. so they're sort of stuck in one merrick the captain yes. merrick is he's become him. the number one hasn't he yeah to julius caesar it's so, so it's, a, it's got a lot going on it's um yeah. it's a really interesting episode um, but yeah it, it does have that slightly odd ending 
Yeah, so yeah. so they encounter a sort of resistance group for the to the to the Roman Empire, the sort of twentieth century Roman Empire called and they are sun worshippers. But weirdly when they get when they get back to the ship, Ahura points out that they don't mean they're not sun worshippers like they worship the sun. They worship a sun, the son of God. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh, it's the it's the it's a Christian movement. And they they all sort of sit back and they're like, ah, oh, thank goodness. And it and it's almost like a way of saying, because they're sort of saying, oh, you know, I, oh, I kind of wish we could have got involved and maybe sorted out all the slavery and that that was going on. <laughs> this old prime director. But then they're like, oh, it's okay because Christianity's coming along. Yeah. And that will solve everything. Yeah. Oh. We don't have to worry about the prime director because Jesus is here. <laughs> don't you understand? It's not the sun up in the sky. It's the son of God. Caesar. And Christ. They had them both. And the word is spreading only now. The philosophy of total love and total brotherhood. It will replace their imperial Rome. Which is odd, and it is it's, it's completely yeah. against everything Gene Roddenberry's always done because he's been very anti-religion. Who who wrote yeah. that episode? Yeah, I thought me. I thought Gene Roddenberry has a I think he has a story credit, but I don't think he mm. did the script. Uh, but he, I, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere he got extra money if he did a rewrite of a script. Uh, yeah. Right, okay. Echo, he rewrote every script. <laughs> yeah, it is odd. I mean, I I I I watched that again. This is I did not expect this. No. I, my take on it was that are they are they referencing the fact that that. Um, that, that sort of Christianity replaced the you know the Roman gods and like that mm, that is maybe. something that sort of happened in the Roman Empire Christianity came along and there were some big changes and that's, that's not was it I'm on Easter maybe I don't <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. it was just a prosaic thing like that and they added it at the last minute or... but it's it, it does maybe, it stands out it doesn't was, it what were they uncomfortable with ending an episode where they left a, a I mean, I haven't seen this episode, but did they leave uh, the world being ruled over by a despot? Mm, they did basically. basically. They did, because they stick to the prime directive. They don't change anything mm. really. So were they society. uncomfortable with the idea of 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 leaving an episode where all these you know th- this world is is unchanged. This world is left uh, maybe oppressed. yeah. So they, they in their way, they, they uh, wanted left to leave, yeah, like a ray of hope at yeah. the end of it. But it's, yeah, they may also have been trying to appease some people in the sort of the Bible Belt yeah. area. Um, you know, Star Trek must have upset at various points. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but they surely. You, I don't think Jesus is in space. He's <laughs> down here. <laughs> they, are they saying that Jesus is in space? <laughs> <laughs> Give us a. We're trying to. We're trying to build bridges. It's one of your best Scottish accents, right? <laughs> please, 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 sir. Tell me. Teach me to do the accents. Uh, there are there are some things that cannot be taught. You just have to feel them. Oh, too too shy. Anyway. In, in 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 that episode, Scotty. Uh, Scotty's ordered not to rescue them because of the prime director, but he finds a sneaky way around it. He causes a, a blackout. 
doesn't he? Sorry, Nick. What did you say? Well, what are you going to say? I was going to say, does he murder a stripper like oh. in Wolf in the Fold? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He's going to. He's like, well, everyone's busy down that planet. Ah, oh, I think I'm going to murder five strippers. No, he uh, he causes a, a blackout so that he can he can be... He sort of overloads a whole bunch of, uh, I don't know, electricity <laughs> <laughs> so that he can beam up the, the crew. But it's... it's a circus. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But it's a, it's a neat, um, it's, it's nice. It works, and Kirk mm. Kirk makes an effort to. He mentions that in his log at the end. He does say specifically, Scotty did not uh, mess up the. Yeah, accommodation to Scotty for not murdering listening. someone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not only did did Scotty not uh, contradict the prime directive, he didn't murder any strippers this episode. So good it's stuff. Win win. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. It's good stuff, Bread and Circuses, and they, you know, I, I, I like that they, they're pretty strict on the Prime Directive. Um, yeah, I think there's a quote. I can't remember who. I can't remember who says this quote. I think it's Kirk. I think Kirk at some point says. The Star Captain's most solemn oath is that he will give his life, even his entire crew rather than violate the Prime Directive. Yes. And it, does that come from this episode? No, it comes no. from the, um, the, the Omega Glory. Ah, right, OK. And that's something that um, I'm sure Picard <coughs> mentions. Again, it, it, mm. it might be an episode, an episode that we that we come back to. Picard makes a point that, um, that so we should be willing to give our lives for mm. the Prime Directive. But, how, but, but not Wesley's. But how? <laughs> yeah. But, but this is this is what we're coming down to, isn't it? How do you apply an absolute to something that can apply to a vast range of mm. situations? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Picard's other point about yeah, they they need because if you don't because because of that you can be seen to flip flop on this situation and and so far I think I think everyone's doing a bit of flip flopping, mm. aren't they? Yeah. How how do you justify? Completely leaving the uh, society in Britain's circuses alone because of the Prime Directive. Yeah. While you completely mess up the Kelpians and the Baal. Yeah. The well, yeah. the Kelpians and the Baal, they didn't have Jesus. No, <laughs> no, they didn't leave Jesus. Yeah. Um, uh, out of piece of the action, patterns of Force, Britain's circuses, and Omega Glory, it's actually always one of ours that has committed a violation. Um, either a rogue captain or a historian, rogue historian. Yeah. To watch those bloody historians. Bloody rogue historians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that would be a great spin-off show. <laughs> rogue historians. Going <laughs> fucking up the galaxy. Yeah. Um, it's like you're like a like a, a, a dull offshoot of rogue traders. I guess. <laughs> the section the section thirty one spin-off series from Shelley yeah, will be entirely Giorgio hunting down rogue historians. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, there is a private little, little war where the Prime Directive violation is in fact committed by Klingons. Ah, okay. In this one, we um, we visit the planet Neural, where um, there are two tribes of people, one of which is friendly to Kirk because he met them when he was a lieutenant. Yeah. Bizarrely, they're all pre-warped, so I don't know how, what mission he met them on and why that happened, but... <laughs> Gloss over that for the minute. Yeah, let's um, assume it was some kind of sexy hookup. <laughs> knowing Kirk. The Klingons supply the opposing tribe with more advanced weaponry. And ultimately, Kirk's solution is to give the friendly tribe 
More equal guns. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of a, well, let's fix the situation by restoring the balance of power. But also, Oof. everybody's now got guns. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think Kirk maybe even says it's an imperfect solution, which um, I very much agree with him. It yeah. is a very imperfect solution. So Spock asked Scotty how long it would take him to reproduce 100 flintlocks. I didn't get that exactly, Captain. A hundred? What? A hundred... serpents. Serpents for the Garden of Eden. I just can't reconcile the fact that Kirk had already made contact with these people as an earlier mission. I don't understand how that fits in with the prime yeah, directive. Yeah, and I'm I, comfortable I completely with... get that he's taking an action to restore a level of balance because of the Klingons. But eventually, but you're sort of creating a, a proxy war, aren't yeah. you? Basically, yeah. yeah. Basically, Kirk, Kirk's solution is to to arm this mm. opposing force better. That doesn't that doesn't feel like no. a very Starfleet attitude, does it? No. no, I see where he's coming from, but I don't think it's the best solution. No, that you could do. I'm sure. I'm surely you could. Could you not use sensors? Well, yeah. Use yeah. sensors. Just beam up all yeah. guns. Yeah. Nobody yeah. has guns. Yeah. They're, 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 all, back, they're all back yeah. where they started. Then is that interference as well? I suppose the no, thing is you, that... you just remove from the guns the Klingons provide. I mean, it, right, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It is, no, it, I mean, it is interference, but it's interference I, I suppose in the, the right issue, direction. The only issue there is, like, do you have to leave a starship permanently stationed in orbit, beaming up? Because if they've look, if they've reverse-engineered yeah. the guns and started to build their own, you onto a... And how do you justify as a weapon? Do you have to beam up all the kitchen knives as well? well no, but if it's that, something they themselves. <laughs> okay, okay. It's only the weaponry that was beyond their capabilities. Fair which enough. Is what Klingons are coming and saying. Did the, did, did, so why did the Klingons give these people weapons? Was it a trade or was it? They were just dicks. I, I, be- <laughs> I believe the planet was located in a strategically useful area, and they couldn't conquer it because of the Organian Treaty. However, if they armed one's party and that party gained dominance and they were friendly to the Klingons they would basically give them right. some some rights to hang go you know use build their a, yeah build a station there or yeah something it'll be some kind of those lines but yeah it's um yeah as a director it's a thorny issue because there's not really an ideal situation you can't just leave it yeah because the Klingons get a situation and the whole society is messed up but you can just leave it. We, you could, Surely, yeah. there's, there's no... Uh, Do, doing nothing not, is always an option. Yeah, always. In, in I, it, I, but that, that is like but, a valid... But it is, yeah, a valid solution. It's, well, it's not a not, solution as such, but it's a valid option in any it, scenario. It, Do nothing. It's, it is not... It, does it directly threaten uh, the Federation? Um, it... I think it would do because the Klingons would have a, right. a presence in a strategically vulnerable area. So therefore, they're not doing it for any um, altruistic. Well, I think they are because there's always also the side of it that um, a, a peaceful tribe is going to get annihilated, mm. which they wouldn't have done if the Klingons yes. weren't going. Well, yeah, Here's some but, muskets. Yeah, but <coughs> surely. So, so I suppose the Prime Directive doesn't apply because they've already been contacted by another space-going. Species. Did they ask for help? Did the other tribe ask for help, or did they? Did no one? Because sh- Kirk is Kirk knows someone, isn't he? Yeah, he's friends with Tyree. So I guess it, it could be a bit like 
bit like the Three Amigos, I guess. Because in the Three Amigos, that little village thinks that the Three Amigos are actual kind actual, of yeah. um, gun, gun, gun fighters, gun don't fight, they? Mm-hmm. And then the, the Three Amigos end up helping that little village. Yeah. Santa Poco or something like that. Anyway, so by by Three Amigos rules. <laughs> It's, it's okay, but it's but it's not as fun as the Three Amigos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. So what was? But saying? yeah, I, that's just I, I'm making a point. I, I I'm not being I'm not just being funny. Is I, your point I, that the Federation should replace the Prime Directive with the, the Three Amigos standard? <laughs> no, but I, I think I think oh, maybe I, I if, if Kirk had, if rather than arming the arming the tribe, Kirk had maybe done a bit more less, maybe able to dress up. <laughs> and and seem to be the three amigos, and um, that might be less of an interference. But just giving them guns seems a bit lazy. I believe Kurt was like bitten by a magato, and um, oh, yeah. Tyree's wife had to do a very um, weird ritual to cure him of the poison that seemed to involve a lot of writhing and. Oh, all the poisons in my in my dick. <laughs> so I'm not sure you have time for three amigo cosplay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a, yeah, it's not a very clear-cut one this episode, I don't think. No. So I don't of... think there's a straightforward solution no. to that scenario. No, because I, I, I do think that giving them guns and then you just ask, have escalations, so pretty soon you're back with a bunch of rocket launchers, yeah. tanks, and, you know, where does it stop? As you yeah. say, it's, it's a proxy war. And so this is going, when, what season of original series is this? So it seems two. I think it's yeah. two, yeah. It's probably like 68, wouldn't it? So I guess maybe a Nam War was going on around this time, wasn't it? So is uh, it, is I don't it, know, I think yeah. I remember reading so this, was it, an alleg- this was an allegory for it. Yeah, me? yeah. Mm. In fact, I think I remember reading that it was, um, originally it was a bit more on the nose, and that, that it was rewritten to make it a little bit less obvious that it was a, uh, a Nam allegory. Yeah, I mm. think so. Mm. Yeah. Um, moving on, should we should we talk about who watches the watches? Yes. Yes. Considered Please. a pretty high highly regarded classic, the next gen. I think it's worth pointing out <coughs> that this episode uh, guest stars uh, Leland Palmer from Twin Peaks. Uh, uh, what's his What's the actor's name? I can't remember. Oh, I thought the actor's name was Leland Palmer. No, Leland Palmer's the the character. No wonder I've never heard of him. Sorry. Yeah, I I uh, I've written down. It's got Leland Palmer in it. I haven't written down the actor's name. It's good research, I think. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it's like fifty percent research. <laughs> um, but he's he's great in it. He's a good actor. So to swiftly yeah. recap the episode, um, who watches the watchers shows us that the Federation on occasion establishes a duck blind observation post to. Mm basically gather information on cultures that are at an early stage of development. We see that again in Insurrection. We do, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so the Duck Blind is a disguised area, a little small research station where they can observe a peoples, make a lot of notes, learn about them. And in this particular case, they are... Ray Wise. <laughs> Ray Wise, yes, that's Sorry. it. Sorry. <laughs> um, they are observing the Mintarkans, who are a proto-Vulcan society. Um, however, an accident reveals the duck blind, Oops. and um, some of the team are captured yeah. and discovered by the Mutakans. Uh Palmer. 
<laughs> Leland Palmer. Yes. No, 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 no the character is called Palmer. The character is called Palmer, yeah. But he's not the one who's played by the actor who played Leland Palmer. No, he is. No, that's, that's Ray Wise. Yeah, <laughs> very meta. But <laughs> he, I think he plays the Mintarkin who fervently believes in um, the Picard. Lico. Yes. Lico. Yes. So I'm just going to stop saying words. Sen- <laughs> Sensibly no, in this episode. You have to say words, you're on a podcast. <laughs> if, you, if you sit there not saying words. But no, I mean, I'm going I'm I'm to say strings of words rather than just words. <laughs> Sensibly in this episode, whereas in Insurrection, they put the they put the holographic duck blind right in the middle <laughs> of the village. At least in this episode, they have the sense to put it. I still have a problem with this duck blind senses. thing and right. observing it people. It's a bit. Could they could they not put a it's voyeuristic? It's, it's, a, it's voyeuristic, I would say. I mean, I, I, as much as you can say, well, it's cool to study these proto Vulcans. It's it is voyeuristic, and it causes the whole set of problems. Could they well, not, not just have voyeuristic? A, well, nobody. That's far enough back. They're not going to see them doing anything intimate. Because if you, if <laughs> but, you look at um, anthropologists in real life, anthropologists, they they are they. Are, they kind of get involved. I guess they don't get involved too much, but they're, they're as much there. as they're allowed. Yeah, as much as they're allowed, they're there with the people. They introduce themselves to the people. They're not watching them from behind a bush. Well, whereas this, the prime directive means we have to hide behind a bush. Yeah, but but what does what? that give them the right to study these societies? I, I mean, I do think that the. The if presence of a high, if they if they're treating them like animals, and what, why hiding. do you hate scientific research? <laughs> <laughs> if it's why a prime, no. But what at what point do they do they are they considering these 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 sentient creatures to be like bird watching? You know, it's weird to have a prime directive and then just do this. If, you, if yeah, the prime directive, the prime directive is a is a number one order. Could it what what? Can they? What benefits do they have from having a duck blind, a holographic duck blind that they that they don't have from having like a starship in orbit? Mm. We know it. You know, a starship um, can can monitor. Starship sensors are pretty amazing. Yeah, Surely but they you're still monitor. you're still not getting much more information than some dots are moving around. Yeah, but you know, you could look at how the dots are moving. <laughs> Be like, oh, that dot's moving that way. Right. That dot must be a doctor. <laughs> I think, I think this dot this likes dot. this dot. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, but this dot's saying this dot's wife. Oh my word! See, now you're just getting into an elaborate Tamagotchi. Or you're playing The Sims. Um, if you look at, say, Homeward, where the Baralans were about to become extinct because of an eco, um, an ecological disaster. The point of the duck blind is we gather information on the culture, and even in our own minimal way, we have preserved some memory of them. So, if anything had happened to the Mintarkins, if an asteroid come and wiped them out, extinction level event, come to the dinosaurs, there'd be some memory. We'd have understood something about them. Yes. But but you're not giving them any respect. You're simply seeing them as as um, uh, data. Aren't you? You're not. You're not respecting them enough to they're interact. Not, they're not with androids. Them. Mm, but we can't. <laughs> we, we can't interact with them because of the prime directive. Yeah, but what does it matter that if? Well, it could change to, the course of how, their cultural development. No, no, we, no, 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 no. No. What does it matter that you're recording them, if you're simply recording them as, um, as 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 data? You're never going to actually understand them. If you're just watching them from a from a booth, are you? Mm. 
And I think I, I that. <laughs> but it's kind of the but it's kind of the best you can do, I guess, with the, adhering to the. But what directive. right do you have to do that if you're? If it you're is interfering. Say, it is interfering. But it's uh, but it's I not. What know. right? What right do they have to sit and watch these people that they don't deem? Um, uh, as um, worthy of of interaction, or they think that they they don't want. I don't know. I just. It, I suppose it's, yeah. It's, like if you like, if you consider a society to be pri- primitive enough mm. that you shouldn't be contacting them, then then why put a holographic duck blind near their village and, and, and watch, watch them? them. Um, you know, why? Why? I suppose ultimately, what, what are you going to gain from doing that? Yeah, because they're not doing it for them. You can doing gain it for your gain. More understanding about yourselves, though, because that you. But what right when, do you, when you have to so, use them in that in that way? To just to understand yourself. You're not using them. Yeah, you're not. You're using observing them, but it doesn't impact them. them. It doesn't hurt them. But it shows a distinct lack of respect. Yeah. Right, I, I I agree with Gemma. I I think it's just it, it's weird to kind of just turn up, hide yourselves, and watch them mm. as a as a for the sake of of learning it. I, it's not you're never going to really know what they're about because you're not interacting with mm. them, and you're and ultimately you're observing them because you think that they're at a point in their progression that's relative to another species past so you think that you're by that you you probably see yourself as more advanced and and the fact that you're hiding and you have the ability to hide kind of would indicate that too i think and i don't know i i I just i just think that attitude causes the issue that we see in this episode that's what i would say anyway i suppose it i suppose it does yeah i mean it does the the practice of doing it causes the problems that yeah And I just I just feel like there's there's a lot to be learned, and yeah I, I get what you're saying that I, you're you're learning the stuff about them and it's not a complete picture because if you don't talk to them, but under the prime directive you can't. I still think some knowledge is better than no knowledge. True, but I mean because <clears throat> you look at what how they develop, how this proto Vulcan yeah. thing develop, and then you look at how the Vulcans understand their history, which is possibly incomplete as it's a history of of war and violence and probably uh, there's a lot of records don't survive and you know does this does this game give you new insight or ideas into the Vulcan development and yeah. history is it and is it a lot? chance to kind of look back in time mm. at your, your own your own society but, but the thing is though is sorry. what right do they have to make to, to, to say okay these people are we, we won't interact with them because um, we don't want to we don't want to um, influence them in any way. But we want to study them because we think studying them will teach us something about ourselves. What right do you have, do they have, to kind of use this society in that way um, when they don't, when they, otherwise they're, they're blocking them off from from themselves yeah and there's a they, they, they're happy to kind of yeah like that society doesn't get anything out of it but like it's not a well, reciprocal relationship yeah, and, 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 you in five six hundred years that society may develop to a point where contact 
can occur and actually that might then find those records are really useful to them but but in there's a point in the episode where where Picard hails this society as having abandoned superstition and mm. and uh, and he doesn't want to sabotage that achievement but this wouldn't even be a, an issue if they hadn't put that stupid observation post there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, they, they, they put it there with the expectation that it would work and they wouldn't have this catastrophic failure. Yeah, but we've seen two observation it's posts a, in it, Star Trek and both have fucked up. Them have fuck, yeah, yeah, that's true. It, well, in fairness, the other one went up because of a malfunctioning data caused by the fact he uncovered um, dodgy dealings. Yeah. So that wasn't a malfunction as much as it was. I just it, think the whole thing was a shady operation. I just think you can frame it however you want. If you put a presence on that planet to look at these people, you're asking for trouble, and trouble mm. happened. Yeah, it's a calculated yeah. risk, and in that particular instance, it went catastrophically wrong. Yeah. But this, this is a um, this is a, a good example of uh, Picard um, willing to put his money where his mouth is because he talks about how. We should be willing to die for the prime director. Take it so seriously that you should be willing to die to to protect that. And he he he, he literally puts his life shot, on the line. He says, "Yeah, he, he can be shot by a bow and arrow." But this is a to weird episode. That he's not he's not a god. Sorry, Just, this is a weird episode in the fact that Picard is at the centre of this issue because um, Lico Ray Wise. Um, um, he gets beamed up because he's injured, isn't he? When the yeah. um, he's injured in, and they they Doctor Crusher decides to beam him up to to heal him, yeah. um, and on and in in sick bay he sees he sees him tending to him and hears the name Picard and and um, <laughs> immediately gets mind wiped. Doesn't work. Yeah. Um, Turns out Doctor and so and so Picard that's first. That's I think I think isn't it? Wife is mine. In this episode, Picard um, is he is super unhappy about this whole set of events from from yeah. and the moment Crusher beams him on board mm. to help to to save his life. Picard is is unhappy. Real <laughs> and then it gets even worse because because they think of Picard as a god and, mm. and Picard gets even more unhappy. And I think I have to admit, if if the Mentakins didn't see Picard as the as the as their god, I think he might not have acted in quite the same way. Because yeah. there's a point in the episode where he says Millennia ago they abandoned their belief in the supernatural. Now you are asking me to sabotage that achievement, to send them back into the dark ages of superstition and ignorance and fear? No, no, he says. <laughs> yeah, and I and I and I agree that it, this interference has probably could potentially be a setback. But I think if it didn't involve him, I don't think because he's a he's an archaeologist. He's a he's an anthropologist in other ways. The Federation contains. Dozens of species, and I can't see that all these species wouldn't have a, a concept of the supernatural or superstition. So it's interesting for me because I think in this episode, Picard is he's perturbed by being personally involved in this situation. Yeah, I, I think some of it also comes from the fact that Star Trek depicts monocultures. So yeah. when they say they move beyond superstition. Probably a superstition, superstitious religious outlook on life was a massive defining feature. And now they've moved beyond that and there's a big science 
thing behind it. And, you know, it's, it's obviously an early stage development, but because Star Trek monocultures, that will be the thing. So he's right. he's essentially yeah. faced with rewinding them. <clears throat> but I don't by, think by I mean I, I don't think science and religion are mutually exclusive. No, but as I say, Star yeah. Trek depicts yeah. monocultures yeah. Okay. and yeah, it yeah, kind yeah. of does veer that way sometimes. Fair enough. Um, but I do take your point. It's quite interesting. If it hadn't been Picard, if he hadn't gone down sick by that point, if Wesley had popped in for a chat with his mum, or Data, and or, or beam down going about the Wesley, yeah. or Geordie, or Geordie had been eating some hors d'oeuvres, yeah. <laughs> well, thinking about his holographic girlfriend, yeah, and how much he hated being in the room with Barclay. <laughs> yeah, you can't stand the guy. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But. Yeah, in this but episode, I, kind of, is I feel really... that Crusher beaming Liko up to, is actually in line with the Prime Directive because he's only injured by the reveal of the duck blind. Yeah, yeah. And so she's just trying to undo that damage. Yeah, and it's um, compassion, isn't it? Yeah, you can't yeah, you can't. She, it would be asking her to go against her very nature mm. to leave him to die, and it would be a death caused by the reveal yeah. and the breaking of the brand directive. So by gearing him, unfortunately, she's just shit at that mind wipe. Yeah, yeah. Nobody can do it except Pulaski, yeah. can they? They can't it Literally, Crusher never it, manages it. She never, they, ever manages it. I think they try it again in Homewood. Mm. And yeah, just, no, well, they don't. Yeah. But they they don't even try it. I think she, she, she says their brain the chemistry is incompatible. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was just, that just meant she didn't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, this is like... In a way, this episode is a bit like uh, it's like a prime directive propaganda movie. Yeah. This is like this is what could happen if the prime directive uh, gets violated. Um, things things could all go wrong. Yeah, because Picard's it, constantly trying to sort of just avoid doing any further breaking. To the point, in the end, he has to break it, undo the damage that's been done. Yeah, I think I have to admit, I can imagine Patrick Stewart getting the script for this. He's polishing, he's polishing his dome piece, reading the script. What? Polishing his dome piece. No, it's, no. It's like, oh, it's not a visual medium, sorry. He's polishing his dome piece. No, it's, no, it's penis. His, 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 action isn't helpful. His top of his head. I, I'm imagining that the... Then why is he down there? Because it's, it's separate to... He puts it on. Oh, what's underneath? He takes his head off. Puts no, on no, the table no, the top of his head. I imagine the top of his head is this... Is this look, it's like it's like his saddle, like a, like a saddle. Are you confusing him with Crichton from Red Dwarf? No, I'm, 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 you know, I'm imagining Patrick Stewart has his own personal shiny top of his head. Oh, right, so maybe he has actual hair. And his bald head is... And he's like, I can't wait to... I can't wait to chew through this this episode. (laughs) I can't wait to chew through this episode. This has got some great speeches in it. And great soliloquies. And he puts it on, puts on his dome piece, and then he goes out. And then he goes out to filming. I don't remember what we were talking about. Was this a prime directive episode? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I imagine Patrick Stewart really enjoyed looked at yeah. this, looked at this, looked at the script for this episode, and 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 and, and you know, and and that goes into. Sometimes I, I think a lot of when when we think about the episodes we talk about, there is an element to it of 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 the script and the and the actors behind it, and and they do go through it and they imagine themselves prior to being on screen 
how they will go through it. And I think I can imagine this is a script that yeah. Patrick Stewart would have liked because he's sent. He's 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 front and main, isn't he? He's front yeah, and main in this episode. Yeah. And so yeah, I, it's yeah. I don't know what I was trying to point. I was trying to make. I just, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that. <laughs> Dame piece. They call in in. I got that term from from Adventure Time. Uh, so they call right, they they call right. the head a they call the, the head a dome piece in that. So I can't lay claim to that term. <laughs> well, you shouldn't. <laughs> hey, you got it. You um, got a few laughs. So I think we should talk about another episode. Yeah, moving on. What's your next one on your list? First contact, not the movie, the Borg, <laughs> the episode. Okay. Um, so there's a society that's on the verge of achieving warp travel. And so, in preparation for this um, this achievement and the eventual uh, contact that would come from that, uh, there's an observation team on goes down to the planet. And Riker, unfortunately, is injured and taken to a hospital, where it's revealed he's actually undercover in disguise. Uh, and he's not really. And then yes. shenanigans ensue as people want to find, you know, as, as the alien becomes an in-demand thing. One lady wants to have sex with the alien. Um, other people are more concerned about the impact of alien contact on the culture as a whole. This is once again another example of the Federation taking a massive risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knowing, yeah. The, the prime, knowing what the Prime Directive is, this is like, this goes beyond holographic duck blinds. This is like, yeah, let's just stick a guy in there. <laughs> in, um, and let's in, make it the most sex crazed guy we've got. In, in, <laughs> who, in Who Watches the Watches, they do that, don't they? Uh, yeah. Riker and Troy go undercover. Yeah, that's in, right. In... That's their first time. Riker can't in... wait to get down there, go <laughs> yeah. undercover. Loves it. <laughs> Surgically alter me the fuck up, he says. <laughs> that's a quote from the episode. I'll, I'll loop it in. <laughs> no, you can't. Don't even try. Shut up. I said shut up. As in close your mouth and stop talking. <laughs> yeah, so very awkward situation, obviously, ensues. Yeah. What's interesting in this is ultimately the um, the planet itself decides to back off from the um, from the, from uh, contact, and they say, "I don't think our populace is ready for it," and they delay yeah. their um, delay their warp flights until they can sort of adequately prepare the population. That's, That's kind of like quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the idea of, of of delaying a big move so people are ready for it and every and all preparations are made, it's um, something apparently foreign to some governments at the moment. Um, <laughs> not referencing anything. Yeah, well, I don't know what you heard. Yeah, we all know talking about that there, right? Um, yeah, which is interesting. The fact that. Um, when Riker has sex with with one of your population, you decide actually no more alien contacts. <laughs> what the hell did he do to her? My people are not ready to accept what you represent. Everything that happened in the hospital proves that. And Crowler is the best evidence of all. We must slow down. Allow those who are like him to join us in the present before we can move into the future. What's so, the next anyway, thing? Yeah. One of the what I think is one of the ultimate. Uh oh, we better fix this. Episodes is Voyager's false prophets, where Voyager encounters a planet where two Ferengi who have been stranded here by the Barzan wormhole, referencing back to a TNG episode. Yes, yeah. Have set themselves up as the sages of um, this uh, planet's uh, mythology, and 
enjoy with the use of their replicator some fame, prestige and wealth on this planet. Uh, and Voyager goes to great lengths to remove the Ferengi within the confines of the planet's acceptable mythology and uh, culture, not to just sort of make worse cultural pollution. And it's quite a lot of fun, really. Um, it includes dressing Neelix up as a Ferengi at one point. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think at some point Tom Paris has to sell some of his shoes. Oh, all kinds of wacky shenanigans. <laughs> oh, you sold me. You sold me on it. Episode is off the hook. It's <laughs> shoes, shoes selling. Neelix is a Ferengi. Oh my word! There is a um, there's a character who goes around talk, telling the um, the the tales and myths of the sages and all the prophecies around it. Um, he's quite a fun character. Um. He has an eye patch. I think he changes eyes on it or something, something like that. Sometime. I think the act is actually going to be at Destination Star Trek this year. Ah, okay, mm. cool. So that's quite a good one. Um, and yes, ultimately they manage to get the Ferengi off planet. Ferengi attempt to use the bars and wormhole to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. Something goes wrong and the wormhole collapses and the Ferengi end up who knows where. Never <laughs> to be heard of again. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a harsh ending for them, isn't it? But it's sort of their own doing, mm. isn't it, I think, Voyager was kind of trying to help them mm. in the end, but but what I like is they're very very heavily committed to maintaining the prime directive. Yeah, and the fact that the Ferengi have interfered with this culture within the within the confines of that culture's own myths and legends is kind of like well, it's almost a handy get out actually because the Ferengi could have gone a, a completely different way about it mm. and corrupted that planet's uh, that culture's course but they didn't and allowed Voyager the chance to remove them uh, in the same way yeah quite cool even though it's a bit of a sort of a throwaway fun episode um one thing I was wanting to bring up is when it in, in terms of Voyager you go back to Caretaker um and Tuvok states towards the end that um they should just use the caretaker's array to get home. The prime directive applies, they don't need to do anything else there. Whereas Janeway feels very differently, says they are involved and they can't let the, the array fall into the Kazon's hands. Any action we take to protect the Okapa would affect the balance of power in this system. The prime directive would seem to apply. Would it? We never asked to be involved, Tuvok. But we are. Um, I guess just go and wonder what everyone thinks in terms of the prime directive application of that. Hmm. Uh, yeah, good, good mm. question. Because that is the caretakers raise a very advanced piece of technology. If the Kazon could get hold of that, the impact on the balance of power in that quadrant, uh, and very directly in short term on the Ocampa would be devastating it and horrific. Would. But what about the whole non-interference mm. thing? Isn't mm. that interfering? Mm. But then, in terms of, say, like the Klingons providing guns to a, um, a primitive village, that's a outside interference that's not yeah. the Federation's making because the caretaker's already interfered. Mm. Um, and by leaving that technology there, 
could cause further disruption and cultural contamination. But it's not it's not the Federation's job to police. It isn't, yeah, but they are in a position to mm. to remove advanced technology that would have a massive impact on the balance of power. But in, but in, yes, um, in and, 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 and as opposed to, say, like, um, private little war, they're not then going to just give the account a, a, a similar equipped array and have a war by proxy. They're going to remove it entirely. But, or, as is, is, is Tuvok says, well, nothing to do with us, let's just use technology to go home and leave leave the case on the camper and whoever else to sort it all out. I think well, that, I think the Prime Directive gives you the ability to do that if you want. Like it gives you the ability yeah, to 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 give yourself a reason that you didn't do do a thing you wanted to, perhaps. And perhaps the Federation Starfleet wants captains who don't go with their heart all the time. They mm. they remain level headed, but with Voyager, the, the the circumstances that happen to it are so bizarre. It, it must be it must be hard not to think well, we're in what for whatever reason we're in this place we have this opportunity mm. to do this yeah. thing we could you know do something to help these people and and that's a big part of for whatever you want to say about Starfleet and the Federation there is I would say that there is generally the the concept of helping people and mm. so yeah. I I think Jane we did the right thing. It's it's a really tough decision to make. But okay, so do you think she did the right thing morally <coughs> or by the prime directive? Um, I don't think I don't the know. prime directive covers that. I think yeah, I would yeah. I think she did the right thing morally. Prime directive wise, I don't know. I cause in um, in in going back to pen pals again, they talk a bit about the idea of fate. Um, and, and and destiny, and and I think the idea is that they're saying that it's 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 happened that the enterprise is here at this time. Mm. I think the argument for for fate could apply here that you know Voy- Voyager is here at this time. Um, Data likes ham radios. <laughs> yeah. Data, to be but fair, Data's say... hobby saved that that society mm. and. Fair play to Data for getting all his ham radio equipment out uh, yeah. <laughs> on, in, in, on the bridge. On the bridge in, re, in relation to the caretaker, because <laughs> in, in Pen Pals they say, um, I, know, I can't remember who says this. If there is a cosmic plan, are we not a part of it? Our presence at this place, at this moment in time, could be a part of that fate. Right, and it could be part of that plan that we interfere. This, this feels like that yeah. applies directly to caretaker. Could mm. Riker's like fate and destiny argument I think falls apart because who's to say that the crew are outside of predetermined fate I think that's yeah. nonsense yeah. if you believe in fate and everything that happens yeah, yeah. and also yeah. you essentially yeah. reject the concept of free will don't yeah. you and, that, work, and yeah. that, that works really well if the person that mm. has that reasoning is good but if they're not mm. if they're evil or yeah or you know Corrupt, then they can just say, "Well, you know." The caretaker could have made a big mistake and pulled a ball cube through into the. Gee, yeah. that would have been awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, I mean, the very fact that Tuvok seems quite say he's quite easily identified the um, send people back home again after pulling them across the galaxy button. 
um, on the caretaker's array seems to suggest that they, they wouldn't be invulnerable from Borg assimilation. Yeah. Especially if the caretaker died, that technology is there and open for anyone who can go back, go in and pick it apart and reverse engineer it. Yeah. I mean, who who's to say that the Kazon Nistrum uh, sh- shouldn't have had that technology from their caretaker? Maybe th- that would have sort of changed their society. Maybe there would have been repercussions of that. that the Kazon are a bit like the. Foresee. The Kazon are a bit like. Um, Saru species, the Kelpians, because the Kazan live share a planet with another race, don't they? They were oppressed by the Trabe, yeah. I, I'm uh, pretty sure the Trabe and the Kazan live on originally lived on the same because now the Kazan are sort of nomadic, aren't they? Yeah, they sort of overthrew the Trabe as their oppressors, took their ships and just sort of made formed like almost gangs. So you got the Nistrum, the Ogla and the various other ones. Yeah, yeah. But the Kazan were an analogy for street gang, an analogy for street gangs at the time. Yeah, but not in a cool West Side Story sort of way. No, no. Or even a cool warriors way. <laughs> they were just like yeah, a, they, they were like cool lame, lame Klingons, weren't they? Yeah, so, yeah, they were. They were like lame Klingons. Yeah. Yeah, I don't exactly. think anything we learn about the Kazan suggests that access to the caretakers array technology would have had any consequence, but unfortunate for anyone in the vicinity really I find it hard to argue against that my my heart's not in it (laughs) just sort of kind of throw it out there but I knew the answer already (laughs) yeah okay Um, so I think we've kind of covered some of the key episodes yeah I want to throw in a quote from Captain Picard from the episode Symbiosis first season episode that um I don't know, not massively memorable. Oh, wait, hold on one second. I've just thought of one other episode we oh, haven't okay. covered. Uh, Enterprise's Dear Doctor. Let's talk about Dear Doctor. Because that is a great episode. So, and that, that is focuses really on a good. doctor who works on Dear. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. I'm pressing stop on this New podcast. for an animal planet, Dear Doctor. Pressing stop on Rick. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so Dear Doctor, we we get a... This is a pre-Prime Directive, uh, Prime Directive episode, and we get a moral quandary about a um, civilization which uh, there's effectively... Um, uh, the, the human equivalent of Neanderthals and um, regular and Homo sapiens, right? Yeah. And the the Homo sapien version of this species are dying out. They have a genetic disease, mm-hmm. and the Enter- Enterprise comes across uh, a ship that's come out. It's pre- they're pre warp. Uh, mm. It's not. A, it's a it's a ship with impulse drive for not warp, and uh, they ask for help and. Dr. Flox finds a cure for this genetic disease, but he also finds that the this this lesser the supposedly lesser species, mm. the sort of Neanderthal yeah. equi- well, equivalent. The Neanderthal were not less, lesser than Homo sapiens. No. So it's just state. Anyway. No, no, yeah. but but yeah. that's how they consider yeah. they consider them to be lesser. But they discover that actually no, they're not. They're they're intelligent, um, and that they have the potential to be. The superior species on this planet. Mm. So Doctor Flux has a quandary: Does he give this superior, this supposedly superior species, the dominant species, yeah. the cure, 
Or does he let them die out and let natural evolution take its course and let the the uh, other species, the other species have, have their time. The Mank, yeah. Or, or option option three, encourage them to do it. <laughs> the two species to do, to do <laughs> oh, it. Oh goodness. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, well, that. Wait a minute. You know that what? Is not I'm going to. I, I reckon. You know what? I, I think there's a good chance that all four of us probably have some Neanderthal oh, DNA gotcha. in us. Well, yeah. Um, the 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 gene for red hair is a Neanderthal gene. Interestingly, oh, right. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, so that's the third option, isn't it? Can Doctor Fox can say, well, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they, they didn't they go into that per se. But I mean, that that would have been interesting to have them debate that. Because <laughs> there's a bit like but, in the episode um, up the. Up the long ladder, <laughs> um, where there's those oh, two God. peoples, isn't it? There's mm. the there's the there's the, 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 the there's a super there's a super fertile fertile space Irish, yeah, and the kind of so aloof next gen the side, aloof right? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the and the aloof other guys the clones who who are who are yeah who are who are going to sort of die out aren't they if yeah they they're, don't. They're, they're cloning each other because they don't like to and and the resolution intimate. to that episode was to kind of um um, so they go be intimate with the space it, Irish to, to yeah. do it and uh, and 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 that would so yes yeah, it is kind of similar I I, I didn't yeah, when I started uh, that when I started that analogy I wasn't sure where it was going but it actually <laughs> turned out to be apt well. to be apt except I do apologise to all our red-haired listeners that Rick has called Neanderthals but Neanderthals yeah. Neanderthal isn't an insult no it's not it's not but it it can be used as well we can't well, go back no, to <laughs> We have a we have we have a we have a common acquaintance called Adam. I'm not going to mention his surname. You may not appreciate it, but you all know what I mean. And I was in an art class at A level with him, and uh, basically the point of everyone was sort of sat around in weird positions and we we're drawing each other in portrait style. And uh, the art teacher commented that I had inadvertently made Adam appear Neanderthal by the way I'd drawn his brow. And oh. it was definitely given <laughs> in a negative style. Yeah. So, um, well, well, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying it's potentially out there that some people may do, see it as a negative. Mm. So, yeah, I guess it was not intended around. to be a negative to any of our red-haired listeners. Yeah, and you just you just weren't great at drawing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Faces, I, 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 <laughs> I did in fact give up A level art and did sociology instead. Good work. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, get back to dear doctor. I have a quote that I'd like to read out from Dear Doctor, which is uh, uh, from Captain Archer. And it's a great quote. Uh, It's a little bit on the nose. Someday, my people are going to come up with some sort of a doctrine. Something that tells us what we can and can't do out here. Should and shouldn't do. But until somebody tells me that they've drafted that directive, I'm going to have to remind myself every day that we didn't come out here to play God. What's that? What's that got to do with this episode? No, I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good point. You say say a bit on the nose. I say clunky and forced. (laughs) (laughs) Right up the nose. (laughs) I think when he says directive, he turns to camera. And wait, and then he whispers, I mean the prime directive. Right? Is it is it clunky? Is it, it's Maybe almost as clunky. One. <laughs> it's almost as clunky as in Star Trek 
um, first contact was Ephraim Cochran says so you guys are all on some sort yeah, of some... Star Trek yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, that, that seems uh... like a really really <laughs> perfectly natural line compared to that one if I'm honest god um but but I mean Archer is 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 right in in, in what he's saying that this is this is a perfect this is a situation where there should be some kind of prime prime directive apply in in fact it's all it, uh, maybe there's a hint there that this is the situation mm. that that sparked the the necessity for a prime directive mm. um, but, but then the prime directive the no prime directive should up, be if you if you turn upon a planet. Well, one of the species has a has a genetic problem, and the other species is healthy as sin. Encourage them to do it. <laughs> oh, there's that again. But what if <laughs> sex is what if that genetic problem um, is uh, too powerful is too for the powerful for the doing? Okay. The doing. Well, then yeah. But then yes, that's the prime. They yes, that's yes. Yes, of course. Could but then they need to. Go, but then enterprise would need oh, to go to. Gosh. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, I, I see your point. But, but also, so the, the ultimately so the prime directive would say, just don't give them the cure. And that and that's what Flux does. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the decision that they make. Well, Flux hands over that responsibility to Archer. Archer's like, oh, great, thanks, Flux. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the decision that they make, and that's very different from the sort of decisions that we see Pike making in. Um, Discovery, uh, and in, in other episodes where they they flounce the prime directive. Here they no flux says, and and Archer Archer sort of is in agreement with flux. Well, it's a tough decision. I mean, they they have some back and forth about it, but they ultimately decide, yeah, okay, no, we shouldn't give the cure to these people. That's, that's pretty interesting. It is interesting, mm. but the um, dominant species are kind of depicted as being a bit of a jerk no I don't know I don't know that they are they're be- I, I think they're, they're basically, basically okay yeah, until <laughs> you start talking to them about the other species mm. and then they're, they're a, a bit, bit of a jerk they're a bit dismissive of them but they, but they take care of them and then the other species them. are really and just really nice yeah so it, it, and then if you look at right. the I, way the two species are depicted in Disco episode yeah, yeah, that's quite different. Mm. I think they take care in that Enterprise episode to show that, that you know, there there aren't neat, no one's a clear bad guy in that situation. They don't want the the viewer to be able to say, well, this is what the obvious choice is. This is the clear solution. They, I think, they engineer the story to say, no, this is this is an absolute moral grey area. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think what yeah. we can definitely say is with the prime directive and violating it, there are levels of interference and there are mm. levels of effect of that. Mm. It's not an absolute. They talk yeah. about it being an absolute, but it isn't. You you can say it's an absolute law, but if anything, that creates a problem because yeah. there are a variety of situations of very very different that 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 means it, it's very rigid, isn't it? It's a very rigid. If you create a rigid law, then mm. it's not going to help you yeah. explore space. And what Worf says, it, it's an absolute, no question. I mean, but in justice, Picard says there can be no justice so long as laws are absolute. Yeah, I think and, what something I've really learned from the research and from this discussion is you have the prime directive, and it is a 
a fantastic idea in principle and a fantastic guideline, but there are situations where it is not compatible with what would seem to be the morally correct thing to do. Yeah. And it's a very difficult line to walk of where you have to (coughs) judge that interference versus what you feel is the morally correct thing to do. And I think Star Trek makes some fantastic storylines out of that dilemma. Sometimes it doesn't quite get it, and I think we have issues with episodes like Homeward where the crew come off as overly uncaring, unfeeling, and harsh. And actually, what I kind of you can't help but side with Nikolai Rozhenko yeah, for wanting to at least save a village of that planet. But on the other hand, then we have episodes like Discovery's Sound of Thunder, mm. where where the where the prime directive is dismissed. A bit too easily, we well, think. And I think I think I'm I'm fully behind the moral argument for what's happened on that on on uh, with, to the Calpians from the battle, but I just feel that there was no service given to the prime directive ramifications of it. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I I just feel like we missed out on a really good meaty moral argument. I would like to have seen Pike and Burnham and a couple other crew sort of really chewing this issue over for a scene I think it would have been an awesome scene I mean there's no, there's no, there's no question that like the actors on Discovery can act the hell out of a scene like that yeah. that would have been an epic discussion yeah yeah and, and there's, there's, there's nothing to say that couldn't happen in a follow up episode mm. discussion I, I, I have I just, a feeling we won't see that I just feel but, it was, there was a bit of lip service given to General Order 1 around contact yeah. it, it and then was, the much larger decision was Lost over. Yeah. It was an it was an action mm. episode, wasn't it? And they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't give any time to. Yeah. And that's that's a sad thing because they're not constrained to a particular time. Mm. An episode of can be thirty five minutes. It can be fifty five minutes. That one was fifty five minutes. Yeah. You could have put a three minute scene of a really good discussion in. Mm. You still would have been under an hour. It would have been great. Yeah. And I yeah. just feel like, but. Maybe that's maybe such a scene was written and was cut for time. I don't know. Yeah. We may it may be something we may, see. On maybe TVs. that's yeah. Maybe that's going to come in the future. Mm. I guess with the rest of Star Trek, we have the 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 luxury of hindsight, and we mm. you know we know how the story pans out in yeah. those situations. I mean, mostly with with TNG, there's no follow up to no. <laughs> to any of those stories. But, but discoveries are different. In our, story, um, yeah. in our episode about um, mental health. Um, Sometimes TNG did follow up, say with Barclay. Yeah, had, we had ongoing thing, and you know, but the Barclay issue was never resolved, resolved, but it did continue. So. Yeah, and uh, into a whole another mm. thing, into Voyager as well. That, that but Discovery is a is a, is a new way of doing Star Trek, and as as we touched upon earlier, um, when you look at episodes of Discovery as they come out, versus when you look at them. A, when you rewatch them as part of the larger whole and you understand how the story fits, it's a, it's a different experience. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, say I really enjoyed that episode and I'm not going to write it off regardless of whether there's any follow-up or not. I just feel there was an opportunity there for some prime director discussion that may or may not pan out in some other form. Yeah, know. yeah. So. I, I feel like my, my research into the prime directive uh, put me in a 
in a real prime, prime directive frame of mind. Whereas maybe more critical yeah. of that than I would have That's been. That's kind of an interesting I... thought, actually. If we hadn't researched this episode yeah. for this purpose and then literally had that episode the day before, yeah. would we have felt differently? Yeah, would yeah. we? Would it have? We don't know. It's difficult to tell. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of an interesting aspect. It is. So, uh, I mean, I think for all the. I think it's it's hard to argue whatever your opinion of the prime directive that it uh, the bottom line is it makes it makes for some good storytelling it does uh, it makes for some there's been some cracking storylines or also justice happened <laughs> but you know that's that's fine uh, it, uh, even <laughs> even even justice the redeeming element of justice is there is something to discuss in terms mm. of the prime directive there is there is a philosophical a kind of ethical debate yeah. buried in the in all of the the shit <laughs> of justice <laughs> even that horrific episode has, has something to discuss about it. I, I, and that's I, the, I, the strength of the prime directive idea it's that bit early on when they when they've come the away team come back to make their initial report and Tashia's like and they make love at the drop of a hat any hat it's like <laughs> Do they have an array of headgear? <laughs> a top <laughs> hat. But when you get down oh, to the planet, oh, no, no hats. Get it on. Hat. No hats. Yeah. Yeah. No one has a hat on. No. <laughs> They've all been dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's picking up the hats. Okay. Um. Will did beat me to it on a quote. Um. Earlier on, I'm not sure if it was this all in the previous one from uh, Kirk in the Omega Glory, but I'm going to follow up with a um. Captain Picard quote from the episode Symbiosis. Beverly, the Prime Directive is not just a set of rules. It is a philosophy, and a very correct one. History has proved again and again that whenever mankind interferes with a less developed civilization, no matter how well-intentioned that interference may be, the results are invariably disastrous. And that's... Um... It's a great quote. It is. It is. It is a fantastic quote because there's, there's nothing better than Picard's speechifying. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and I think, I think actually, if you right look at that quote well. from Series One, and then you look at say Insurrection, that's a very relevant quote, and he almost repeats a very similar vein uh, to Admiral Doughty. Yeah. But it's not a case of being less developed. It's a case of mm. thinking that you're right. Yes. Yeah. There isn't. There's an element of arrogance to it, as we said. And yeah, it, it, it's true. almost an irony in the fact that it's come from a from an attempt to not be arrogant, to not place yourself above and be godlike. That you've developed a thing where you're saying so arrogant that you almost it's techno- if you if you use technology as a barometer of your development, that's the issue. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. the real issue, I would say. And also, yeah, I think that's, that's a good point. That's that is a very good point, and because it, it is based upon the attitudes and if you're ready for that technology in so many ways. So technology isn't in fact the barometer, it's the developed attitudes and ways of life because sad to say in, in the state of our society at the moment, if we had certain advanced technology, would we use it for good? I can see so many places where we wouldn't. Mm. I've said it before and I'll say it again, any, any dickhead can have an, can have an iPhone. <laughs> There's also there's also the the sad fact that uh, war is always a great uh, developer of technology. Mm. So, and it makes money too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's it. It's a royal so, acquisition among the Ferengi. War is good for business. Mm. That's it. So you can have a society which, 
which had been plagued by wars again and again through its through mm. its lifetime, and that because of that they've reached the level of technology that the Federation yeah. are willing to yeah. to accept. But actually, is that is that the sort of society that you that you want in the Federation? Mm. Don't the Federation I mean, itself is born out of war because it's the it's the Third World War that led to the state where Zephyr Cochrane then invented warp drive and made that first contact. You know? Yeah. I think we discussed before on the podcast that that spectre of the Third World War hangs over the Federation's initial <coughs> development through <coughs> through Enterprise and stuff because it's all so recent for them. Mm. Yeah. Whereas, like, say, by the time next gen, it becomes almost an abstract. But, uh, yeah. So, um, Anyone got any other issue? Any other things to add around the Prime Directive? Or have we, have we reached a good point to wrap up? I feel like I've said all the words <laughs> yeah. to say on the Prime Directive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, me too. I, I'm not sure if they're in a particularly good order, but hopefully our audience have found some sort of value in our inane ramblings. Yeah. I, I've really enjoyed this discussion. It was it was as I expected it would be. We had plenty to say yeah. on the subject, and I. I think, do you know what? I said I didn't have anything else to say on the Prime Directive. <laughs> I ruddy well do. <laughs> I think it's it it, it it runs at the core of of, mm. uh, of Star Trek, really. The Prime Directive is really important to, to Star Trek. It's it's an absolutely key idea. Yeah. In the storytelling around Star Trek, and it and it it creates a lot of really really interesting stories. Absolutely, I think. it does. Yeah. It's, it's a key great. idea because it's. Flawed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it. And I think I think it's great that I think it's great that we can debate whether it's a good thing or a mm. bad thing. And and I yeah. I don't know. <coughs> I think the idea of it, I think the intention of it is good. I think mm. the application of it isn't place. always good. Yeah. yeah. And and that feels realistic. Uh, that feels like that that's a very real world kind of sad fact feels of, a, like, of a piece of legislation it feels like it's an evolution of a very of, of, of things that we need to become or we are aware of now and we need to be better at is that we need to understand our impact on the larger world around us yeah. when you look at environmental issues particularly I think yeah. that we have quite happily gone blah 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 we're going to spray these aerosols around we're going to have all these um, petrol, you know, smoke emitting things. We're going to have massive flipping chimneys and general yeah. power. All these things we're doing would have a massive impact on our environment, and we're now seeing the imp- the results. And a, that I think the prime directive is an extension that we have to be so careful. And this is um, being reflected now in discovery in the fact that Stamets is slowly discovering that the spore drive and the mycelium network are vulnerable to the impacts of his, his engine, his invention, yeah. um, and the, the wider and larger effects that he's, he's having, this we need to be very careful as we go forward in, in, in our future and what we do and how it impacts on the world larger, because we can't always foresee every impact. We can't see every consequence of our actions. Yeah. And so it's a case of being a lot more mindful about what we do. And so the Prime Directive is born of that intention and that goodness. But when you get down to certain situations, you have to weigh it up against what's morally correct. Mm. When is it appropriate to intervene? When do we have to say, no computer, 
Kissing should be allowed. <laughs> <laughs> you are the evil computer. Erase yourself. Kiss yourself. No, kiss yourself, computer. <laughs> kiss yourself. Do it. I can't. <sighs> well, on that note, uh, <laughs> I think yes. I think we're at the end of our discussion. Yes, I yeah. hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I know we have. And we shall be back in the future. Um, I think we might be talking some Borg action in our next episode. Uh, yeah, I, I think so too. Yes. Yeah, cool. Hint. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Yes. As always, um, we appreciate your ears. Yeah, and thanks to, a big thanks to our Patreons too. Yes, you are all yeah. wonderful, lovely people. Definitely. Okay. But <laughs> okay, bye. Thank you, bye. Thank you, Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Do you realise how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed her bum? What? Her bum. Oh, no. I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self-indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.loweredexradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10 backward, 10 being the number and backward being the word backward. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast. You can also email us at crew at loweredexradio.co.uk. On a personal, individual level, my Twitter is at Will Turland. Rick Everson's Twitter is at TrekFanRick. And Rick Palmer's Twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund uh, ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash loweredexradio uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us we would love it if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcast through iTunes, Stitcher Google Play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative Thanks again for listening, and please tune in for more podcasts from the 10 Backward Crew. Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? 10 Backward. 10 Backward. I think I live. You are the evil. The evil must be destroyed. Fulfill the prime directive. You are the evil. Fulfill the prime directive. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me.